bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja. I say that every week. I'm sure that if you're listening, you know, but if you're new and this is your first day, hi, hello, welcome to the show. This week, I'm really excited and I've also been told that I have to hurry up this intro because Ranjit's editing and we are on a time. We are on a time limit. We are on a time limit. So... Without further ado, today we have Emily Sonzi back on the show. Now, she has been on the show in two other episodes and they are in the show notes. She spoke about her her whole, how a whole food, her whole food plant-based journey in her first episode. We were talking about her overcoming polycystic ovaries and disordered eating and some digestion issues and... So much more in that episode. I really recommend going back and listening to that. And I've put the link to, in, link to that episode in the show notes. I have a, f- I don't even know when it was. I'm so sorry. But yeah, go just listen to it. I will link it in the show notes. And more recently, we spoke to her about raising Hunter, her little gorgeous, gorgeous two-year-old on a plant-based diet. So please, if you're wanting to learn more about raising a child from, you know, birth to all the way through... We've got a few episodes now on raising vegan kids, so please check those out and check out Emily's. That will be in the show notes. Uh, But today we're talking about a different topic that Emily's passionate about and I'm passionate about, which is Emily has a business called Cultivating Positivity, and I'll have links to her business and how you can work with her in the show notes as well. Cultivating Positivity is from, so Emily has a background in psychology and education. And so this is her business talking about positive psychology and how you can, this episode is basically around ways that you can use positive psychology to change the way that you view the world and to create meaningful change, positive changes in your life. So I'm very excited in this episode, we're talking about so many wonderful things, uh, how to you know, get through, we talk about burnout, we talk about when you're in that really dark, dark places and how to kind of slowly lift the steps, real meaningful steps to lift yourself out of those really dark places that we've all been to, or if you haven't been to, good for you. (laughs) I've definitely been to. But if you'll know someone who is in one of those places, if you haven't been in one yourself, we talk about different strengths and how to use our strengths to cultivate positivity within ourselves, talk about emotions, talk about creativity, and we talk about mindset a lot in this episode and rewiring our brains for positivity. We talk about change and making change and awareness, self-awareness, awareness of other people, awareness of our decisions so many different things, but I really think, listen to all the way to the end because Emily gives some really great, useful strategies to increase our positive emotions and to help ourselves to create an upwards rather than a downward spiral, to create an upward spiral that extends out and touches the lives of 
our, not just ourselves, but those around us in a meaningful way. Uh, we also talk, she also gives some great tips on how to, you know, help inspire our friends and family to add more whole plant foods into our lives and decrease their impact on the animals and the planet at every meal. So that's really helpful if you're like myself and you just wish everyone around you would immediately go whole food plant-based because it's better for the planet, the animals and human health. So I found it really beneficial and I'm sure you will too. Yeah, but you can find Emily at www.cultivatingpositivity.com. You can find her on Instagram at Cultivating Positivity. You can find her on Instagram as well at Sonsi underscore life. So S-O-N-S-I-E underscore life on social media, on on Instagram and Facebook. And there they share. And they even have a YouTube channel, Sonsi underscore life over at YouTube with their gorgeous family are now sold their house and they've bought a van and they're now posting videos about setting up that van ready to travel Australia and have some incredible adventures. So if you want to follow a vegan, whole food, plant-based family uh, doing travels and cultivating their own positivity around Australia, it's just a wonderful family to follow with dancing and beautiful food. Also, don't forget to remind you that Emily has a bundle of incredible ebooks, which you can find by, yeah, finding her on Instagram. And I think it'll be in the link in her bio, how to get her ebooks. So definitely get them because there's like a billion, not quite a billion, amazing recipes there that you will, if you're struggling with ideas or you don't know what to make for dinner or you just have friends coming over and you want to wow them with some delicious desserts or main meals or appetizers or dressings and sauces, whatever, they're in the book. Get them. They are so worth the money. She's put so much effort into them. The the photos are beautiful. The recipes are simple and beautiful. You will love them. So definitely get her eBooks as well. And... I think there's like three ebooks, a sweet, a savory, and another one. So head over there. I've got them. They're great. Other than that, enjoy the show and I hope you have a wonderful week. Hello, Emily, and welcome back to the show. Hello, Corinne. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure having you. Uh, now, we had last episode we were talking about raising vegan kids and the one before that you were sharing your story of overcoming polycystic ovaries and disordered eating. Is that right? Correct. (laughs) Now, I can't recall the episodes, but the links will be in the show notes because I should have had that sorted out before we started recording, but I didn't. So I apologize, but the links to other episodes with Emily, the two other episodes with Emily will be in the show notes. We'll be talking about in the last one, vegan parenting, and the one before that, Emily sharing her whole food plant-based recovery story. And it's a really, really good story if you're someone who has struggled with disordered eating or has had polycystic ovaries, or I think we talk about gut, IBS, is that right? Yeah, IBS problems and also yeah, overcoming, you know, your relationship with food and how a whole food plant-based diet really helped me with that as well. Yes, yeah. Yes. So head back, scroll back and listen to those two. But today we're talking about your business cultivating positivity. That's correct. Something I'm very, very passionate about is helping everybody, children, adults, anyone 
help lead their best lives and, and to become their most fulfilling selves. So it's a really exciting topic that I love to talk about and hopefully today everyone can get a lot out of the information that we share. And the links are in the show notes if you can, so you can read more and follow Emily online. But can you just, you're, a, you're background trained as a te- primary, primary teacher? Yes, so I am a primary teacher. I also have a psychology degree as well. And I absolutely love working with kids. And that's kind of where I fell in love with the well-being aspect of working with children. And I started to realize that for me personally, it working with kids was so, so much more than just academics and looking at mathematics and English. And really, if we want our children to succeed and to thrive, then we need to really flip the view on that and be focusing more on the overall child and on their well-being. And then I realized that as that passion grew, I really had a passion for helping anyone achieve that. And what I love so much about my business, which is all based on positive psychology and and evidence-based program, is that the way in which you can make these changes is so simple. You just need a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of awareness to bring to your own life. And you really can make an incredible difference to how you approach your day-to-day activities and therefore how you approach your overall, you know, zest and, and joy for life. So it's, such wonderful strategies that are embedded throughout this program. And yeah, I am very passionate about helping people put them into practice. Yes. And, you know, I've been following you and now we're friends IRL. (laughs) I'm forcing myself to be friends in real life. I have been following you now since, well, since just before we, you came on the show the first time. And I feel like your work you know, so some people, you know, you can be kind of hesitant about, sorry, what's the way I'm trying to explain this. Anyway, your work does feel so positive. Like when I watch your videos with your son and your family and I watch your life play out in Instagram stories and in your posts, you know, you can really feel, not only is it, does it feel like there's a, there's a positivity throughout all of the even just cooking and playing and engaging with your child and Michael, but it feels like it feels very authentic insofar as you do talk about as well, your struggles and the difficult days and the strategies that you do use to overcome those harder times and those struggles with parenting, motherhood, food, you know, food or sickness and all those kinds of things. And I really, really find that Part of the appeal of you and your work is that it is so real and honest and and nourishing, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Thank you so much for saying that. That's a really large compliment because the last thing I would ever want to do is to come across as unauthentic or like I was just presenting some mass highlight reel online. I think that you know, with so you can edit pictures and you can put up the very, very best of yourself. And whilst I still want my feed to look beautiful, I still want it to look authentic and real life. And that means sharing the really difficult times. So I was speaking earlier this year about how the last six months of 2019 were 
some of the toughest months of my life, um, went, ended up going through burnout, but didn't even realize that I, that is what was happening to me. I just all of a sudden woke up one day and realized that I wasn't, I didn't even recognize myself. You know, we were just going through a lot of different things and a lot of change last year, and it all took a lot of toll on myself. And therefore it took a toll on my family. And, you know, my husband actually said to me, he goes, I don't, this isn't the girl that I married anymore. I don't recognize you. And I was like, I don't recognize myself. And it was about understanding that. And it's okay to share that. And it's okay to talk about that. And with, with that communication as the first step, then comes putting in the building blocks and putting in the practice and putting together the strategies that I know so well and picking myself up a bit and rebuilding, which I have gladly done and I'm feeling more myself now than I have felt in a, in a very long time, which is excellent. But I think it's also about even though I this is my business and I'm the one you know, giving this information and teaching it, it doesn't mean that I always have my life together either. You know, we're all still learning and we're all still on this journey. And that's why I find this information so empowering because no matter who you are and no matter what stage of your life you're in, you can you can regain control back and you can find your way back to who you want to be or build yourself up to the person that you would like to be with these strategies. They're very easy to put in place. So I think that it's such a wonderful thing to share not only your highs with everyone but your lows as well because when we share our lows with everyone, we realize that, wow, okay, I felt that way as well. And all of a sudden we're more connected and we're less alone. And we realize that, all right, you know, she can put these things in place. I therefore can put these things in place as well and, and help to, to feel better and to become my best self. So I think that sharing aspect, it's so scary. It's so scary to be so vulnerable, but I think that's what makes everything so much better because we start to feel together and connected. Yes. I, uh, I I definitely struggle with this in my own like online presence is like where do you where what to share and what not to share so I love and I actually really admire and look to your social media posts and think wow you know how can I add more of myself in because I I think that I don't know if it's my I don't know. I just feel a little bit more difficult and reluctant online in the online space than definitely than you do. And I love that you are so willing to, uh, there's some things, funny things I'm willing to share that probably I shouldn't share. And then there's things that I should share that I don't share. So it's really, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's just a funny thing to navigate. I find it a tricky thing to navigate even this far down the road of having social media in my life since I was in my early twenties or mid twenties. I still find it something that I'm like, I, it's just a difficult space for me to navigate. I don't feel it's not a natural space that I move into. I feel a disconnect. And, and even though I love, I love it a lot of the time, I still find it tricky. Yeah. I think you'd find that most people probably feel the same as well because there's, it's so, you're so open to judgment. Anyone can come across what you're posting or what you're sharing and anyone can type and say anything and can think anything. Even just the thinking about what other people are thinking about you is enough to stop you from posting anything <laughs> someday. Absolutely. But if you move past that and you just do what feels right for you, I've always been very open with my friends and family about sharing and have always overshared. 
So to me, I wouldn't be, you know, myself if I wasn't oversharing online either. So as long as it falls within the realm of I'm not oversharing other people's information that they don't want me to be sharing, then I'm kind of, you know, let's go for all. But it is about finding the right time. You know, I, I didn't feel comfortable sharing about the burnout information until I had mentally got a handle on what I was actually going through because I didn't understand it myself. So, you know, I, I want to share it kind of when I have a semi-solution for it as well. So I'm not just plonking my emotions onto people listening. It's about I want there to be a bit of a purpose behind me sharing it. You know, this is what I've gone through, but this is now what I'm doing to fix that. And you too can do the same there as well. Similar to at the moment, I'm going through a bit of a health crisis. <laughs> we got got a bit sick when we were overseas and I'm trying to get my body back. So I am, you know, sharing that journey as well. So people can, you know, take or leave what they want from that information that I share too. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely been following that as well. But I just want to go back to your burnout yeah. because I know and just from listening listening to you and following along with that journey a little bit, what I've noticed is so many people are resonating with what with you going through burnout. Like I've really noticed that a lot of women are f- feeling the same way or have felt the same way. And like how did you know, for women who are listening who are like, what does burnout look like? Like what? what was the symptoms and the side effects and like how did it how did it ripple out into your life um and then when when did you notice it what was happening i think when i started sharing about it on my social media what scared me was how many people said that they resonated with it had experienced it or either are experiencing it but didn't realize they were until they had seen what i'd posted and essentially it had uh, what snowballed it for me was at this uh, towards the beginning of last year, I uh, was told I would have to go through IVF to have my second child. And we had difficulty getting pregnant with my first. It didn't come as that much of a shock. I thought I was handling that information of that news fine. But what I realized now looking back is I was more numb to that information. I didn't actually let myself properly absorb it and properly respond to it. I just was like, okay, IVF, let's move on. Let's just, you know, put that somewhere else so I don't have to think about it. And that kind of snowballed me into throwing myself into my work and into my business. And I was working as a school teacher at the time. And I've always been someone who has a lot of different projects on the go. And I like to busy myself, I suppose. I like to be busy. So I didn't see anything wrong with what I was doing. Um, But essentially what I was doing was busying myself so much to the point where I didn't have to think about the things that I wanted to be think that I didn't want to think about. So I was going to work, then I was being with my son, which I love doing. But then as soon as he would go to bed, I would be doing my business and I was getting so much enjoyment out of it that it masked what was actually happening. And that was the fact that I just slowly, but every day I was losing a little bit of myself because I was so busy that all the enjoyment of my actual life was kind of going. I I realized that towards the end of the, the year, I was starting to become very, very snappy and short tempered with especially the people that I love. So my poor dear husband for a good four months did not get the best version of me and my son was not getting the best version of me either. I I started not to be able to handle it when 
small things weren't working out. So my resilience, I suppose, was very low. And, you know, all it took was for my son not to uh, not to respond appropriately and I would get very agitated and very upset. And that's just not me as a person. It's also not me as a parent. And then I would be riddled with guilt because I would respond in, in a way I didn't want to respond with. And it kind of would just snowball these negative emotions in me. And then I would just go to bed and be like, okay, that was just a bad day. And then all of a sudden I realized though, every day was starting to become like that more and more. And I wasn't getting enjoyment out of the things that I used to get enjoyment out of. Cooking started to become a bit more stressful and seeing friends was seemed like a chore. I just wasn't finding enjoyment from those things. It was more the, the agitation to things as well. And even my dietary patterns started to change a lot too. I started to feel very out of control with what I was eating, which was not something that I'd experienced for a couple of years. So there was just a lot of things. And the biggest thing was that people in my everyday life who saw a lot of me were starting to become a bit worried because they'd said, like, you're just not the same person anymore. We're, you know, concerned for your mental health. And we're not sure what's going on. But the biggest thing was people who actually didn't spend a lot of time with me, maybe some colleagues that I would interact with at school maybe every fortnight, were coming up to me and like, you know, are you okay? You just don't see yourself. All right. So people who don't actually see a lot of me are saying that I'm not seeing, not looking myself, something has to happen. And then I started to really look inwards and it, it took a day of a lot of tears and a lot <laughs> of working through things and realize, realizing what had been going on. Because for me to admit that I'd been going through burnout was essentially admitting that I, and it, and it's not, but for me, it was essentially admitting that I'd failed. I'd failed at being able to do everything I wanted to do at once. I, I therefore, if I'd gone through burnout, I couldn't do my business. I couldn't do my job. I couldn't be doing my ebook. I couldn't be a good parent and I couldn't be a good wife. And you know what? No one could be a good thing at doing all those things at once. But for me, I had to work through my own belief system of that doesn't make me a failure because I can't do one million tasks at once. It just makes me human and I need a little bit of help at the moment. I need to step back from a few things and that's okay. But it was hard. It was really hard coming to terms with that process and understanding what had been going on. One thing I just want to quickly say is that I was still putting up these really amazing moments that were happening in my life on social media. And I know someone had reached out to me and said, but your life still seems so great. But now you're saying you were going through burnout. Like, was it all a lie? And a hundred percent not. I didn't realize I was going through burnout until the very end. I was still having these excellent moments where I would, you know, go for a beautiful walk with my son in the park and have the best hour. I was still being able to cook an incredible dinner and share these times with my family. But it was amongst all of that that these other moments that weren't me were happening that I didn't piece together until the very end. And then I started to look back and go, wow, okay, even though these incredible small moments have been happening, the overwhelming majority of the last couple of months has not been great, but I couldn't see it. And then when I saw it, it just became, wow, all right, I have to do something about this. And 
now it's time to take a very big leaf out of my own book and start to more practice what I preach because I've been forgetting to do all these things that I originally had in place. And this is the thing I think that like I resonate with so much of what you're saying, especially when my when Iggy was my eldest was about I don't know between one and two and a half where I was really, you know, I was up at night, I was working part-time as in child protection and I was just spreading myself thin everywhere. And I can remember so, like I remember, you know, my mom even saying like, Corinne, you're, you're not very likable. <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> yeah, so angry it. all the time and snapping all the time. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I've got nothing. I'm breastfeeding. You know, this from, from me, that was when I was, you know, saying I wanted to do this, do this style of parenting and I was wanting to be there for my child in this specific way and not realising that doing it as intensely as what I was doing it meant that I was just empty. You know, I was just empty everywhere. And you don't realise, but you don't realise because there are still magical moments in there and, of course, there are. Like, There's still so many wonderful moments. It's so easy to go, oh, well, you know, of course, you know, there's other bits that are hard, but then there's all these magical cuddles and these nice kisses and these nice times that it is easy to go, oh, well, other people have it harder than me, so I'm not going to complain and and push push the signs away. Like it's really easy to push the signs away because other people are struggling more or other people are doing more than you or succeeding more or pushing, you know, hustling more or whatever it is more. So you think, oh, well, I can't have a problem then or I don't deserve to have a problem then because other people are doing fine and they've got more to do than me or more on their plate or they're having a harder time in whatever way. Does that make sense? It definitely makes sense and I completely relate to that as well because for me, a lot of the things that were happening last year were amazing things. I was starting a new business. For those that are completely unaware, we also have um, sold our house, bought a van and we're going to spend this year traveling around Australia, which is amazing and I'm so excited. But that immense amount of change and coming to terms with the fact that I'm also now leaving a job that I genuinely do love still. And selling your house is very stressful and and putting all these things into place, it became too much. And there was other things going on as well that was lost in the family. There were things that, that are quite negative. But I just kept thinking to myself, like, I've got all this stuff going for me at the moment. Whatever this negative energy that I'm feeling, just like, let's pretend it's not there and get rid of it. And I did exactly what I preach not to do, which is to ignore the negative things, the negative emotions in your life instead of lean into them and lean into that that, that discomfort. And it wasn't a conscious decision, though, to ignore them. It just, it just happened. And then it snowballed. And all of a sudden, I woke up, you know, it was around Christmas time. And just like, I don't recognize myself. I don't know who I am. I'm not, not in control of my emotions. I'm not in control of my relationships and I I don't know how to build myself back up but what I'm going to do is is I'm going to take it one day at a time and I'm going to focus on really small and manageable strategies which is entirely what my business is so I I really got to put my business into practice and you know you know a couple of months on there's still some aspects that we're working on but I'm feeling so much better and it's just incredible how these small micro changes can have such a profound impact on your day-to-day life. Yeah. So I think it's a great place 
to kind of move more to talking about some of the strategies and tools. Definitely. Now, if you're listening, I just wanted to – I love Emily. I love Emily. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> I <laughs> I love Emily's work and I think it's really valuable. And why I wanted her to come on the show is not only to talk about like, – we're definitely going to be talking about – managing negative emotions, but I thought we could frame it to talk about managing negative emotions when we're trying to create healthy changes in our lifestyle or diet, specifically change, making the switch to a whole food plant-based diet. Because there are so many things around mindset and things like emotions and awareness and all these kinds of things that all play a role in change in when we make any changes in our life. So I wanted Emily to come on the show to talk about how you can use positive psychology in your efforts and your attempts to change your diet. Because I think a lot of people, we get stuck. And a lot of the reasons why we get stuck, pretty much all, aside from microbiome cravings <laughs> from our bad bacteria and, and conditioning, but a lot of it is all... It, is in our heads. So I really thought that Emily may be able to help us, all of us, me included, to maybe unpack that a little bit and realize where we stand in our own ways and things we can do, small things, as she said, that can help us open the doors that we've currently closed off to creating the changes that are going to have really meaningful and profound impact on our life and the people that we love that are around us. So let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Talk to us about how, yeah, your cultivating positivity and the tools that you use can really help us in our attempts to live better lives and feel better. I shall dive right in. So one of the reasons why I love this information is it because it can be applied to anything, especially transitioning to a whole food plant-based diet, because it can be stressful. So the, with cultivating positivity, with the framework that is behind the whole business, there are eight sections to this. Now, I'm definitely not going to have time to talk about all eight, and I very much encourage you to reach out to me or maybe I'll come back on the podcast if you want to hear more. But the eight sections are looking at our personal strengths, our character strengths, emotions, awareness, mindset, relationships, nourish, engagement, and purpose. So with all those eight in mind, if we can focus on an area at a time and then we look at all the different areas, when they all come together, they essentially allow us to thrive and to flourish in our everyday life. So we want those areas to essentially, to just explode out into every aspect of our day-to-day life. And then that means we're going to be feeling more fulfilled. We're going to be better parents, better wives, better mothers, better better people, and we're just going to enjoy our lives more. In terms of going to a whole food plant-based diet, I'll start talking about strengths a little bit because what I love about strengths is that it starts to switch your thinking to see the best parts about yourself. Our society is very much looking at our weaknesses and what we're not good at. You know, I'm I'm not a very honest person. I'm I don't have a lot of curiosity. I'm here to tell you to let's look at the ones that you are really good at. No one wants to hear about all the things you can't do. And when you start to focus on the things that you can't do, that becomes very negative and you can end up in a bit of a, 
a spiral downwards of the things that you're bad at and you feel like you can't succeed at. So we need to flip that initially and focus on what you can do. So there's actually a heap of strength uh, character surveys that you can take online that are free that would actually pinpoint your strengths. Or you can simply look up your 24 character strengths and just have a look at look at what they are and look at which ones jump out to you the most, which ones you maybe use all the time. But for example, if your character strength is creativity and maybe you show that by drawing or cooking, there's so many different ways that you can be creative, let's use that character strength to help you transition to a whole food plant-based diet. So how can we show more creativity? Well, cooking is an excellent way to get more creative with a whole food plant-based diet. Perhaps set yourself a task Every week, you're going to try a brand new recipe and maybe you don't even follow a recipe. Maybe you're going to get really creative and just go, all right, I love these three spices. I've got these three vegetables in the fridge. Can I whip up something that is going to be really tasty? And if you can't, if it turns out not, if it turns out really bad, have a bit of laugh, bring in your strength of humor and don't waste it. Feed it to your dog or something. But you know, you're having fun with the process. And it's not about it being this stressful time where you can't, where you know, you're getting so wrapped up in having to hit all your nutrient targets and you must have protein and you must have fiber as well and the calcium. Just let all that go for a moment, channel your creativity, channel a bit of humor if it doesn't work and see what you can come up with. And all of a sudden, you've had a lot of fun in the kitchen and hopefully at the end of it, you've also got a really nice dish that you can nourish yourself with and nourish your family with and share in that. Another strength that you might want to channel is bravery. Perhaps trying new foods absolutely scares the crap out of you. And it can. It can create a lot of fear. If you've only ever been brought up on three basic steam veg and meat, well, going out and trying okra, that's going to send a lot of shivers down your spine. So go to your <laughs> Still market. Still sends them down my husband. <laughs> yeah, go to your market uh, or just your supermarket. Stay really basic. Don't go out too far yet. Just go to where you normally shop and buy a vegetable or a fruit that you have never tried before and try it. But don't try it when you're feeling sad and when you're feeling fearful. Try it when you're in a really good mood because when we're in a positive frame of mind, and this is tying in our emotions to our strengths now, but when you're in a really positive frame of mind, you're happy, you're joyful, you're feeling inspired, that's when you're more likely to want to try new things and that's when you're more likely for it to be an enjoyable experience. So if you are in a really negative frame of mind, perhaps Perhaps your child hasn't gotten out of bed on time and you're running late for school and now all those things are starting to pile up. That's not the right time for you to go out and try a pomegranate. Are you speaking to me specifically, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> that is the wrong time to try a new thing. That is when you should just stick to what you know best, have a banana. <laughs> Don't go out and try that exotic fruit that you've been looking at a few times because you're just going to panic. So when things are going a little bit wrong, a little bit pear-shaped, that's when you need to stick to what you know best and keep everything as calm and level-headed as you can. When things are going right, though, however, that is when you can step out 
and you can try something new, whether it's food or cooking something, or you're going to go to a new cafe maybe and order a new plant-based meal off the menu. I'm just trying to keep this all tied in with a whole food plant-based, but this really does relate to any aspect of your life. You shouldn't try new things if you're in a negative frame of mind because it's not going to work. And then you're going to convince yourself that it never will work and you'll never go back to trying it. So you really want to channel those positive emotions as best you can. I love this and I think it's so useful. Now, when I sometimes I'll have people call me up and they want to work with me, but I can see that they're in a really heavy funk and that they have been for a really long time and everything in their life has gone badly and they've had so many hardships and they're just in this really low place. And when I ask them what brings them joy, they really struggle to think of anything that brings them joy. And so for those people, if there's someone who's listening, because I know myself when I was in my darkest spaces in my 20s where I was, you know, I was laying in bed and my housemates would rip the blankets off me and say, you know, get up and go to the market or get up and go for a walk or do anything. And I'd be like, I don't need to because there's nothing good out there in the world for me to see. So I've obviously come through that, but there's people who are listening probably who are still in that space where there is no light for them right now. How can they, what steps can they take to kind of get into that positive emotion so then they are more open? So I would dive into the mindset and the awareness um, framework areas. Looking at mindset, you want to start developing that positive self-talk, which is so much easier said than done. It takes, you know, months, years of practice to develop that self-talk, whatever aspect that is, whether it's body image, that's what it was and, and still is for me on days, whether that's for you about getting out of bed or finding joy or that life is not worth living, changing that self-talk is the most fundamental aspect you can do to to help yourself get to get to different stages in your life it's really challenging though and one strategy that you can do is to actually write down the horrible things that you were saying to yourself look at them on paper and then next to them as best you can pretend that that is actually what a friend has said to you so t- now remove yourself from that comment so if for instance it is about body image and you're saying you are so fat and you are disgusting. Write that down. And now imagine a friend is saying that to you, your best friend in the whole wide world that you look at with so much love and so much joy or a family member. What are you going to say to them instead about that comment? You're going to say, no, you are not. You are so full of life. Don't even worry about what you look like. You are you are beautiful, but you've also got bravery going for you and you've got kindness going for you and you're full of love. Now write that down because the way in which you talk to yourself should be no different to how you would talk to your best friend. You need to be your best friend first. You need that inner critic to quiet down and you need that inner coach to come out and to speak kindly to yourself. It's not to say by doing this exercise one time that you're all of a sudden going to start saying, I'm amazing and I'm the best thing about this world. I can do anything. It's just it's going to start changing that that voice a little bit. And every day 
you're going to do it and you're going to practice that. And when that voice gets a little bit louder, you're going to quiet that voice down and you're going to talk back to that voice with this new vocabulary of looking at my strengths and looking at what I can do and what I can achieve and that I'm a really honest person or I'm a really forgiving person and the world needs that of me. The world needs me to bring those strengths because not everyone has those strengths. My strengths are unique to me and I can bring them into different aspects of my life. So it's about really writing. Writing is a really therapeutic tool and it's really incredible way to look at what's happening in our mind. So if we write down those negative comments, but then we counteract them with those positive comments that we can start to say, eventually that becomes second nature. And when that inner critic comes into your mind and it draws you back down, you say, hang on a second, what are you talking about? I know that's not true. That's a lie. That's my my ego coming out of my inner critic, whatever you want to call it. I know better and I am better than that. And I can overcome those thoughts and those feelings, but it's going to take time. And that's where it's, you need to be okay with not feeling your best as well. So when we feel those negative emotions of shame or guilt or embarrassment or just sadness or loneliness, we need to let them give them space and let them breathe and be uncomfortable or be be comfortable, sorry, with the uncomfortable. Allow that discomfort to sit there and lean into it because it's only when we lean into it that we can start to unpack where it's coming from and we can start to really figure out where that emotion is residing and then we can put strategies in place to to that area of our life. Perhaps it's stemming from work. Perhaps it's relationships that aren't that are not serving us or bringing us any joy. And then we can start to get a handle on those emotions. And then we can start more positive emotions. And then we can start bigger change. So yes. it's all leads into one another. You can't have one aspect without the other. That's so true. And I remember like myself in my 20s, I didn't lean into anything because I thought that if I leant into it, if I leant into the grief around my brother's illness and then him dying and my multiple sclerosis diagnosis, if I leant into it, you know, I was going, I went through a breakup in my a significant six-year-long relationship breakup and house loss and, you know, I didn't lose it, I sold it. But, I mean, all this, there was such huge, I was studying and it was just such a huge stressful time. I thought if I leant into it that I would never come out. I thought if I opened Pandora's box that I would never come out of the grief. But when I did lean into it and I did open it and lay all the pieces of grief out onto the carpet, you know, and look at it all and be like, oh, my God, gosh, there is – there is so much sadness here and I actually felt that sadness and and realized that a lot of the sadness was a deep feeling of loneliness, which I didn't know that it was a loneliness. I felt so alone with all of it. I was carrying it all by myself and I felt like I couldn't really share it with anybody. And once I realized, you know, my counselor was like, just, you and wrote it down like Emily saying, I wrote out my grief and my, just everything. I wrote it all out. She said, when you write it out and you realize, firstly, you realize that, of course, you're sad. <laughs> of course, you're sad. There's so much going yeah. on. Even if, you don't ha- even if you haven't lost you know, a, a significant family member or you haven't got a chronic illness, there's so many reasons to. You know, there's so many reasons that in your own context, in your own life, there's so many reasons for all of us to carry some sadness and to feel it and not be ashamed of it. But once you write it out, you're just like... It's just a release to write it down and change its form from being a thought form that's just spiraling in your head to being out on the paper. And it's so, 
I found it so helpful to actually open the lid and let it out and let myself cry and feel all those feelings. And that has been the most healing thing. And just on what you're talking about, about positive mindset, when we do those things, we are literally rewiring our brains and books such as The Brain That Changes Itself. It talks about the science behind, you know, the, when the more the more you write down, like, like Emily said, but the more you do those reframing exercises where you're writing down the negative self-talk and then switching it to the positive, the positive kind of opposite alternative of what could could be a possibility as well, which most likely is for all of us. We're both we're both things and everything. But I mean, when you flip that script enough and do those things enough as exercises where you catch yourself in a negative self-talk and flip it to a positive thing, as in what you would say to your best friend or your sister or a loved one or a brother or whoever, the more you do it, the more your brain defaults to that naturally over time. But if right now, you know, you've got a worn, a well-worn path of thinking, oh, my God, I'm a horrible hose beast. And it's, it's just a super easy path to walk. But after a while, that path will get overgrown with weeds and the new path that's easier to walk will be the path that is, I, you know, I'm, I'm – pretty decent human being (laughs) I'll be okay (laughs) it's so true and it is all about rewiring those neural pathways it's the same when we start practicing gratitude you know those people talk about looking for those you know three moments of gratitude and that's actually how my husband and I and my son now that he's a little bit older we end our day that way every single day because not every day is going to be a great day it's not that's just a fact of life you've got to take the good with the bad but there are moments of joy in every single day. You just have to look for them. And when you start to realize that you're going to have those conversations about talking about your top three moments, or you're going to be focusing on looking for moments of gratitude, all of a sudden you start to see them everywhere. You start to see, you know, the lady down the street who helps someone else with their shopping. And you're like, wow, kindness is everywhere that I can see that. And the world becomes a less you know, daunting and scary place when we start to see these things around us happening. But you have to rewire your brain to see them and train them. Otherwise, you're only going to see, you know, the person at the supermarket who didn't say thank you when someone picked up their groceries. And that's what you're going to focus on because that stuff is still happening. But it's about what you choose to tune into and what you choose to focus on that is going to change your mindset and your day. So, for example, and potentially an unpopular opinion, I choose very consciously never to watch the news. I have no idea what's going on in the world. And according to my dad, that doesn't make me a very worldly human being. <laughs> but according to me and and science, <laughs> and science, there are studies that have been done on this. It actually makes me a happier person because I'm not turning on the news first thing in the morning and being completely bombarded with the bombing that's going on in Syria or all the bushfires that are happening in Australia. Now, that was hard to avoid because it was all over social media and I did want to know about what was going on, but I am not alone when I can say that I felt the sadness and the heaviness of the bushfires that were happening uh, potentially like more than I wanted to on some days because it actually altered my day. And that's not to say that I shouldn't feel sad about what was going on, but when it's flooding your social media and it's flooding the news, it's very hard to escape this sadness of what is happening. And sometimes in order for us, 
It's not that we're forgetting about it. It's not that we're pretending that the world is perfect and these things aren't happening. We still want to spread awareness about these horrific causes that are going on and, and, and be present for those people that are suffering, but not at the cost of your own joy and your own mental happiness. That is not selfish. That is putting your own happiness first, even when trauma is going on in the world is not a selfish thing because if you can't be a good mother and if you can't be a good parent uh, sorry that's the same thing <laughs> a good parent <laughs> a good friend a good wife a good um anything then what good are you to anyone if you're just going to curl up in your bed and cry because there are bushfires going on you know you still need to be present I completely agree. And I think that even though I, like my mum was talking to me about, hi mum, if you're listening, talking about the coronavirus and I, <laughs> this isn't making, I don't want to be minimising bushfire. The bush, bushfires and coronavirus are really, really serious and they're taking lives and yeah, bushfires took, you know, over a billion animal lives and human life it's and horrific. homes and land and it, it was horrific. So we're not minimising, but I know myself, when I look around at the people that I know who watch the most news they're the least active because they're crippled by fear. They're the least active in their communities. They're the least active speaking up for those causes. They're the least active. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm generalizing. Obviously, I'm generalizing. But for me, it cripples me to watch too much. So I have to really monitor yes. what I watch and then really make conscious choices of how I act in response. You know, if I want to act and to support the climate, what can I do that's in alignment with my values, that supports supportive for nurturing for my family, that isn't going to create burnout and troubles for me and cause me great anxiety. So I do bits that I can. But if I listen to all the things about the climate and all the things about the bushfires endlessly and all things about coronavirus, I would just be fetal and I wouldn't be a good – as Emily said, I wouldn't be able to be there for my children. I wouldn't be there for my husband. And there was times in that bushfires when they were really, really out of – just wildly – out of control and the the, the the devastation was everywhere that I couldn't avoid it. And I did have, there was a good two weeks where over Christmas and New Year's where I was, I wasn't myself and that's okay. I was, I just allowed myself to grieve. I was just grieving yeah, for the animals and for okay. everyone. But it is, it is challenging. And my mom, you know, she was panicking about the coronavirus and not wanting to go anywhere and not wanting to do anything. And I just said to her, you know, I have a cure for you. Turn off your TV. <laughs> Just turn off your TV, Mum, yes. and then you'll then you'll suddenly be able to go to the shops. <laughs> and I couldn't agree more. And I, when when you say the people who watch the most amount of news or are the most uh, in tune to everything that's going on in the world are the least active in making change. I completely agree with that, based on my own experience with people in my life too, who I find tend to be the most, their outlook on the world is very negative and it's also very blaming. So we tend to blame other people for X, Y, and Z going on. And then that is what we bring into our own life. So, well, this is happening in my life and it's awful, but it's I, it's not up to me to change it. It's This is this person's fault because they did this at work and that's ruining my time at home and therefore I'm a bad mum because this person at work missed their deadline. Well, actually... If you put now, that's not to say what that person did didn't snowball and ripple out and affect things greatly for you. However, if you have a couple of strategies in place, you don't bring that stuff home. That stuff stays at work, and you deal with it in a different way. and And you start to actually realize, hey, you know what? That other person is also human, and maybe they're going through some really difficult times in their life too, and they didn't miss that deadline on purpose to ruin my life, to affect my family. 
they had their own problems going on and I'm okay with that. And okay, I, I had a busier day at work because of that problem, but now I can go home and I can just be with my family and, and do what I would normally do. And it's what they did now has nothing to do with me. So I find that people who have this quite a negative outlook on the world take on the problems of everyone else, but it becomes a bit of a blame game. And then it becomes what you said. It's all too crippling and overwhelming and you don't know where to start to fix it and you don't know where to, to help. You end up in this big downward spiral of negative emotions as opposed to an upward spiral of positive emotions where all of a sudden you're like, you know what? My choice to have a whole food plant-based meal this lunchtime, that's making a very small but still an impact on climate change and therefore I'm helping that's a great thing I did today as opposed to I can't end global warming so I'm not going to do anything about it because it's all too much and it's on the government and I can't do anything and it's everyone else's fault but mine. You know what? You can make a very small choice to change how you eat just for breakfast and feel good about that choice because it is going to make an impact. And then maybe you felt so good about that choice that you make a different choice for lunch (laughs) and you make a different choice for dinner and and slowly but surely and you make mistakes along the way but you're in tune with those emotions, remember, so you don't get bogged down by it. You then make a choice for the whole of next week to eat a little bit differently and then you start making different relationships with people based on food and now you're not so lonely and you're starting to connect with other people whose values are more in tune with yours and you're connected to your community a little bit better and you're starting to sleep better and that nourish pillar is starting to come in and now you want to go for that run because you've got a bit more energy. So it's all connected. It's very hard to talk about one aspect without drawing in all the other aspects because we're whole people. You can't break us down to these little basics. You make that ripple when you're talking about that breakfast and then you go on to the dinner and you're just like, wow, like you, you just know, like I, you know, after you know, you know, you know that from there, seven days plant-based and they're going to have a different, their microbiome is going to be changing. They're going to have more energy. They're going to start feeling better. And when you feel better, then you just, that just flows out into everything in your life, every aspect of your life. Could not agree more. I think the way in which we feel physically and mentally it's all connected and then we can become more connected spiritually if you're that way inclined you know it opens up so many different realms and I think one thing I haven't touched on yet is this bringing in awareness which ties really greatly into a whole food plant-based diet because awareness when I speak about it in terms of cultivating positivity is about developing an awareness of yourself of our environment and of others. And you can do that through very small mindfulness practices. It doesn't have to be about 30 minutes of mindfulness a day or an hour of deep meditation. Honestly, realistically, we we don't have time for that in the life that we have to be living. But we can put in two minutes of a meditation in the morning or a mindfulness practice where we start to just become more in tune with how we're feeling. After that meal, how am I feeling? How does my body feel after I've had that? How am I responding to other people after I've had that meal? And it's about becoming in tune also with bringing in awareness to our environment. How does this meal that I'm having have an impact on my environment, on the animals, on the global climate, on everything around me? 
And then when you start to have these conscious, you know, just 60 seconds of thought process, you start to go, wow, okay, I'm actually making a really big difference to this. And I actually am feeling really good about this. And that negative emotion that I was feeling after I did eat that giant steak, okay, I can work through that negative emotion now that I've got the awareness of how that that meal would have impacted other things. But now I can work through that and I can make a different choice for the next meal. Yeah, and working through those things without judgment and shame. Like I think a lot of people get stuck because as soon as they think about their choice, like when I think about my iPhone and I think about the poor people who are making my iPhone in China, you shut down and you go, oh, my gosh, but I love my iPhone. I don't want to think about that. You know, or I love steak or bacon and I want to think about that and you feel this shame and guilt and so you close, You can easily cl- shut, shut yourself off and close down but allowing yourself to be open and just feel them without judgment, I think that that's a, a piece that we, we don't like because we go straight to shame and then we – it's the shame prevents us from taking the next meaningful step. Does that make sense? Of course. And if we acknowledge sometimes what is causing the shame or causing the guilt, it also means that we have to change. And change is very scary because change can often mean we have to also look at our friendships and our community that we have around us because potentially they don't align with these values that we have that we don't also want to up to be, open up to properly yet because it means we might have to look at those relationships and change them. Change means that we have to maybe start shopping somewhere else and I don't have time to look at where I'm going to buy my new groceries so it's just easy to keep buying what I've always bought. Change means that we have to be open to new experiences and if you're in a negative mindset, as I said earlier, change is the furthest thing on your mind because negative emotions, they When I say negative emotions, sorry, negative doesn't mean that they're bad. You are well within your rights to feel shame, guilt, embarrassment, whatever it might be, sadness, loneliness, but they're negative because they prevent us from creativity. They prevent us from change. They prevent us from these amazing things happening in our day-to-day life because when we're feeling those things, we spiral downwards further. We do not spiral upwards. And we do not want to embark on change and change is hard and it's scary and it's fearful. So what happens when we feel those emotions? We just go, nope, and we bury them and we put them away. Now, if you're already whole foods plant-based and you're listening to this conversation now, hopefully maybe that gives you a little bit of an insight into why your friends who you've been trying to preach vegan to for many, many years aren't putting anything into practice. And maybe they're just, it's too much and it's too overwhelming. And for, I know that at the start of my journey, it's very easy to forget the start of your own journey when you're going whole food plant-based because you're just like, well, I just did it. I just went whole food plant-based. But actually when you think back properly, you're like, no, I had to put a lot of things into place mentally and I had to make a lot of change in all my aspects, not just on the food on my plate. That was one part of the change. That was probably the easiest part of the change. Telling people I was making the change was one of the hardest things for me because you're scared of judgment. You're scared of people being like, well, I don't want to invite you over for dinner because what the hell do I cook this new vegan person in my life and that's going to impact your relationships. And it's all about once you have those positive emotions, though, building up on those positive emotions, that becomes less scary. 
And now we feel joy about the decisions that we're making and we feel excitement. And all of a sudden, we we invite friends over for dinner because we can now cook for them instead of being like, no one's going to invite me over for dinner. Let's, how can we make it work in reverse a bit and change things differently? Yeah, that's really, really valuable insight, I think, for many of us, me, myself included. You know, when I went whole food, plant-based, uh, it was well, I was, you know, four years of mucking about because I hadn't, I didn't have those things in place, those tools in place. And by the time, you know, things went terribly for me and I lost feeling in my legs and I made that switch. So there was a big desire to live and have a high quality of life that helped me make that switch to a plant-based diet. But in those four years where I was fluffing around with it, going back and forth, there was so many pieces of the puzzle that I had to put into place, such as figuring out that I, my my self-worth was so low. And I think many people have have issues with self-worth. It was so low that I didn't believe, like you're saying, I didn't believe anyone would like me if I was vegan. I didn't believe anyone would want to hang out with me, want to socialize with me, want to have a cuppa with me if I don't drink coffee, don't smoke don't eat junk food and our whole food plant-based. I just thought no one would want to hang out with me. And like that, that four years. And then I hit that big health crisis and I was just like, oh gosh, you know, I can't be choosing my, literally my life over my likability, you know? Yep. It's so important. Yes. But it's it's like you say, it it took four years of slowly and in a big health crisis for me. And I, but for if people can just do the things in your program, like the the gratitude and just do the steps to help build that positivity and that resilience in themselves slowly, they hopefully won't have to reach a gigantic health crisis like what happened to me to make to make those positive changes in their lives. Definitely, and you don't want to have to hit rock bottom, but unfortunately, sometimes that is you know what we, what we have to go through to realize what's actually important and that our that our health and that our self-esteem and our self-worth that is what is going to be the most important thing looking after ourselves. One thing I've spoken about is increasing your positive emotions, but I haven't really mentioned how to do that. So I just wanted if you don't mind, I just wanted to touch on a couple of ways that you can increase your positive emotions because if you are in that downward spiral or well, me simply sitting here and saying like, let's get happy. What on earth do I do to do that? So it's really simple and it's so minor. A lot of these things that you're probably like, I do that anyway, but I just maybe don't do it regularly enough. Or one thing is getting outdoors in nature, go for a walk. And it's for a number of different reasons why doing that is great for you. It's fresh air. It increases your oxygen flow, which increases your blood flow. It's moving your body, which also releases endorphins. It's something that is not strenuous. Now, if you love to go and hit the gym, then go and do that. You know, if if moving your body is a way of going to a hit class and getting all sweaty, but I know for a lot of people that that actually just is very overwhelming and requires a lot of effort. So just get up off the couch. Don't even put shoes on if you're that way inclined and just go for a slow, gentle walk in nature for half an hour. That's one way that you can do that. Another one is practicing gratitude, which we did mention before, but trying to find small, really small moments in your day 
that you are happy for and therefore rewiring your brain each day about the positive things that bring you joy. Maybe it was having that, you know, access to a hot coffee. How fantastic. Maybe that's how you like to start your day. Maybe it was the fact that you got to have a 10 minute sleep in or your child ate all their breakfast and that brought you joy. Whatever it is for you, find the little moments in your day. Another thing is, and it sounds so simple, but do more of what you love. So if you don't know what you love, you're going to have to spend some time trialing a few activities and figuring out what it is in your day that brings you joy. But if you know what it is that you love to do. Go on some dates with yourself. Exactly. Go on a self-date. They're very important. But if you love to knit or draw or cook or maybe you do like cleaning. I don't know. We all have different things that we like to do. Just do more of it. And we all say that we don't have enough time, but if you are sitting down to an hour of TV at night, sit down to half an hour of TV at night and spend half an hour of doing that jigsaw puzzle that you really like to do or half an hour of knitting um, or wake up half an hour earlier in the morning, which sounds so repulsive if you're not a morning person. But if you're going to spend that half an hour reading three chapters of your favorite book or drawing, then you're going to start your day off being, wow, I've actually achieved so much and I'm feeling amazing about it. The other thing is do random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness for other people don't have to be monetary-based. It could be, um, you know, sending a nice note to someone or sending a text message to someone just saying something nice or sharing a compliment. There are Arguably, the most selfish thing you can do is be kind for someone else because you get the biggest hit of endorphins and and just like, I love myself for being so nice to a friend or nice to a stranger that in the end, you can walk away feeling better than the person you did the kind act for. And that makes you feel so great about yourself. So start by doing just really small, tiny acts of kindness for someone and even set yourself a task. There was a really fantastic study done on this where they looked at whether or not you do one act of kindness for someone each day for five days or you do five acts of kindness for different people in one day and the benefits of doing five acts of kindness in a day far exceeded doing the one per day for five days. So if you have a day where you're like, I don't know what to do with myself today, I'm kind of a bit, my weekend's a little bit, you know, I don't have much on, set yourself the task to do five random acts of kindness on that day and do it in different ways. So for instance, maybe one is monetary based. Maybe when you buy yourself a coffee, you just leave, you pay for two coffees and the next person who rocks up, you don't know them, they're a stranger, they get their coffee paid for for free. And you just get to walk away being like, I have no idea who that person was, but I've changed their whole morning. And maybe that'll mean they get to make a different choice later on in the day because they're in a really positive frame of mind. Maybe you send flowers to someone. Maybe you cook a meal for someone. Maybe your random act of kindness is also to yourself and you run yourself a nice hot bath and you sit there for an hour and you just relax. But the study, yeah, it indicated that if you do that for your whole rest of your week, you're kind of still on a bit of a active kindness high, I suppose. And you, your body feels that and therefore your positive emotions tend to spiral up. So if you want a challenge, set yourself that. It's a really great thing to do. I've done it. I've done it a few times and it's amazing. 
I also incorporated into mine, my random act of kindness was to the environment and I went and picked up a whole lot of rubbish. So you can, you can do it in lots of different ways as well. It doesn't have to be monetary based. I love this so much. I think it's such a nice thing to do and I love like teach, in teaching those are, it, it affects those around you. The more you do those things, the more you notice like my children picking up rubbish when we're out or wanting to do nice things for their grandparents because it's just modeling it to people. And I, I know myself, I was so self, self-absorbed and stuck in my own thoughts, negative self-talk and all those things for so many years. And then once you start doing, like especially starting and ending the day with gratitude, and all of a sudden you can see more and more and more wonderful things to be grateful for. And then when you start also, you start feeling better, then you want to do more acts of kindness and it just spreads like an incredible, beautiful ripple. And if if everyone who's listening starts doing one beautiful thing a day or, or five things in one day, as you say, it doesn't take very much to really have a great impact. You know, if you send five texts, kind, friendly texts, talking about the beautiful things, qualities of your friends today, imagine how they're going to feel and how that person, how all those five people's days are going to change. And it could have taken, you know, a minute of your time literally to say, I was thinking of you and I love your friendship so much. Thank you for being such a joy in my life. Exactly. And I think we're, we're very conditioned to not want to share our compliments with people in our society. I'm not sure where that has developed from, but we often are very quick to point out the negatives in ourselves, but also in other people. We call it um, constructive criticism. But whilst it may be constructive criticism, we're not backing it up with any compliments. We're not telling, and I'm not talking about, oh, your hair's looking nice, so you've got a nice dress. Like, what about the compliments of, I love how you're the most forgiving person in my life and I can make a mistake, but you're so quick to just to overcome that and and accept me for who I am. Where's the, I love how you show bravery and you try new activities. You know, let's actually look at their character and who they are as a person because at the end of the day, your hair doesn't determine if you're a nice person or not. So we need to start, we need to, whilst it's still a nice thing to receive, but can we go even further and can we compliment on someone's character and, and what they actually bring to our life as a person, how they've impacted us or how they've changed us? Because those are the compliments that are really going to alter someone's day and make you feel really, you know, great about yourself for sharing that with someone. It's, it is a scary thing to do to compliment people. For some reason, we feel a bit, oh God, are they going to think I'm too much for sharing this with them? But the worst that can happen is that you feel good and they feel good. Like at the end of the day, that's the worst thing that happens. So you may as well give it a go. So be kind, share kindness, you know, towards yourself and to others. And, and that's a really great way to, to increase your positive emotions and, and end up on that upward spiral. Um, that term, by the way, is not my term. That's a term that um, a lady named Barbara Fredrickson, who I very strongly, if anyone's more interested in positive psych, I recommend you go and look into. Um, it's her positive spiral of emotions and how you can kind of end up on that and, and stay there. It's about savoring those moments too. That's another way that you can um, stay with your positive emotions is to savor them. So for example, say you just come back from a holiday, which I have, which has been really nice. Don't just 
ignore that, you know, don't forget about it. Say, okay, the holiday's done. Now I'm just going straight back to work. You know, every night, keep journaling about the holiday. Keep reliving those beautiful moments that you had when you were away and allow those positive emotions to stay with you. You know, just because the moment has passed doesn't mean the emotion itself has to pass. So keep sharing pictures with other people. Bring a photo album of pictures into work and make everyone else like sit through your, you know, 50-minute slideshow, whatever. They'll probably feel good seeing the ocean instead of talking about the deadlines. You know, you know, allow yourself to still have those emotions with you. You don't have to forget about them because the moment has passed. Same on the other hand as well. If you, if a holiday is a great example, but it can be with anything. Planning that holiday can be just as good as having the holiday. So every night, you know, looking up online where you're going to stay and getting really excited and thinking about it can be a great way to have those positive emotions. But I don't really like to use the idea of a holiday because you can do that with everything in your day-to-day life as well. Um, just because you don't have a holiday coming up doesn't mean you can't increase and save those positive emotions every day maybe it's a maybe it's just the weekend maybe you want to plan something for the Saturday that you're doing maybe it's also for your Monday what are you going to do on your Monday that you love so much that you can get excited for and then talk about Monday night because just because you've gone to work doesn't mean your positive emotions have to stop hopefully you love the job that you're in but I know that that's a really idealistic way of looking at the world but there is surely there are aspects of your job that you can love and if you're finding that really hard when you practice gratitude at the end of day or whenever you like to do it or you're starting to do it make it maybe make it a work focused gratitude do you have three things that happened at work that you can tune into that were good because that's going to change your work attitude and your work positivity as well yes I really I I love that and I think for me you know it was for a long time living for those holidays and then when you when you're broke like I've been so many times (laughs) and you can't afford those holidays you're like well there's only drudgery and misery in between nothingness and yeah, I think for many people who might be listening, they can't, you know, people who can't afford holidays and and same with what you what you said about, you know, Mondays and having these jobs people don't love. But I mean, for me, it's little things like yesterday. Sometimes you put off things that bring you joy, like like you're depriving yourself of happiness for some self-sabotage reason. And yesterday I've been thinking more about just doing pastel drawings with my children and with myself just alone and I kept putting it off for like a week and a half thinking about sitting down with these pastels and getting them out seemed too hard and (laughs) sitting down seemed hard and it all seemed hard and then yesterday we sat together and I put on some beautiful music and we sat and we drew and the kids are helping me with my drawing and we were all doing Iggy was coloring in a mandala and Theo was just doing some free drawing past with pastels and coloring in. And I had my, just a page that I was just drawing on, doodling on. And like it started, it was so relaxing and all of us had, I thought I'd be over in 10 minutes and bored, but we spent about an hour together just you know, I'd say, what does it need? And the kids would say, oh, it needs a wombat. <laughs> and I'd say, what else does it need? Oh, it needs a king parrot. And I'd be like, I don't know how to draw them. And they'd be like, just try, <laughs> you know. And their encouragement and their ideas really helped promote my own ideas. And if you don't have to have children with you, but like maybe watching a YouTube of someone else drawing pastels, because I didn't know I'm not a pastel artist, I'm not an artist. 
so I was overcome with nerves about like, what if it's crap and I'm drawing something that I don't like or I don't know what to draw after I've done a mountain and some blue sky. I've got nothing. <laughs> Where do I go? Where do I go? But going to like the internet or if you've got little kids around you, like Iggy and Theo was such a great like, oh, you need to draw an echidna now or you need to draw a river with stones in it or it needs flowers, mum, it's missing butterflies. And I'm like, far out, this painting's got everything. Now. I need more paper, we're running <laughs> pastels. But it was such a joy. It was such a nothing joy. We had some broken pastels in the cupboard and I just got them out and some bits of paper and we all had such a nice hour, which was free. It wasn't didn't cost us a holiday. It didn't cost us anything. And even if the children weren't there and you haven't got kids or you've just got your cat, like I just, you know, a YouTube channel, there's so many different creative YouTube channels out there that you can just Google. You know, if you want to try a new art form, you know, you can go to a cheap shop and get pastels or pencils or a paper and it doesn't have to be that. Of course, it can be water walking or anything. There's so many free things is what I'm trying to say that. Yes, it doesn't have to cost money to increase your joy. And often... Um, something that I say a lot online and I say a lot to my family is that happiness is found in the mundane moments. I don't believe you need to, whilst it's very exciting and I had an amazing time, I don't believe you need to get on a plane and go to Bali to increase your happiness. I think that that's an awesome opportunity. And if you can do that, that's great. And you'll, you'll probably grow in many different ways you didn't see possible. However, if you can't do that, Happiness can be found in the most mundane of moments. So, I mean, I get joy cleaning, not because I like to clean, but because I like to dance. And when I clean, I put on music and I dance and I clean. And my son and I have a bit of a party as we have like a bit of a cleaning party as we clean up. Do I, I hate cleaning, but all of a sudden, just by changing a few things, I'm putting on my favorite music, we're dancing, it's taking me twice as long but the activity now becomes a highlight of my day and we've had so much fun and it's something that now my son's involved in and and he's not hearing me complain about cleaning as opposed to he's hearing me talk about how fun dancing is and next minute the house is clean. So if you change the way you approach an activity, which is also about looking at your strengths and how can I bring for me my strength of zest, which is like high energy and high enthusiasm, how can I bring that to cleaning my house? Well, I can chuck a wild dance party with my two-year-old. Now, if you're a parent, you understand that that is a really fun activity to do. If you are not a parent, I probably sound wildly insane right now, but a dance party with a two and a half year old is one of the greatest joys life can bring you and you should all do it. (laughs) You definitely Um, should. But, you know, like it's about changing changing ways that you might go about an activity that normally just make you feel, oh, do I have to do this? How can I make that a really fun activity to do? And you know what? It's probably going to take you longer to do it. But at the end of the day, it's so worth it if you leave that activity feeling rejuvenated and energized and happy and uplifted. Because if we're not feeling those emotions, then what's the point of doing anything? Like, why would you want to do something that doesn't bring you joy? Try and make every activity bring you joy. It's the same when it comes to changing to a whole food plant-based diet. Let's wrap it up here, Corinne. Let's yes. bring in let's bring in it. the food aspect. I love it. Um, Go. Why why would you force yourself to eat food just because it's a vegetable? If you're not going to enjoy it, you're not gonna like it. Like bring some joy to to trying new things and, and experiencing new activities. And one thing that I, when we were talking about strengths before and we were talking about 
um, yourself maybe trialing things with creativity. One thing I wanted to say for the people that are listening that are already whole food plant-based and or, or nearly there and they're trying to encourage their friends to do it, and I'm very guilty of doing this as well, it's really important to celebrate and look at your friend's strengths when they make very small changes and it's very easy to be like, but you're still you're still eating chicken or you still haven't changed your milk over. But maybe they have just done that first step where their breakfast is whole food plant-based or they've just swapped to a soy milk. As an as a friend, as a supporter, you need to purely celebrate that. Don't say things like, well, now you need to change your cheese. They're like, oh, my God, I just did this huge thing. Like, is that not enough for you? Like, is that not big enough? Celebrate their wins and look at their strengths and be like, whoa, that was such a brave move of you celebrate, you know, going over to the soy milk and how, you know, fantastic that you trialed five different brands before you found one that worked with your coffee in the morning. That's great. And then just leave it at that. Because that positive emotion for them feeling good will be enough to spark change elsewhere in their whole food plant-based journey. They don't need you saying, but now you need to do X, Y, and Z as well. Because all of a sudden, they're now back to square one and it's overwhelming and it's too much. So focus on the positives. Always I love where that. You can. Always where you can. And any of that, that can be applied to anything, but it can very much be applied to a whole food plant-based diet, which is where it should be applied because therefore we can help the animals and ourselves and the environment. And that's what it will always come back to. (laughs) Absolutely. So I know that we've been talking for a really long time because I've absolutely loved talking to you and hearing about this and you've given me so many great ideas from my own life and I'm sure everyone listening. And I know that this, as Emily keeps reinforcing, this isn't cultivating positivity, her business and the work that she does and positive psychology isn't about just a whole food plant-based diet, even though, of course, I'm trying to steer steer it a bit that way in this podcast. But you can use this in so many areas of your life to create positive, meaningful change if if you're wanting to. So I'm so grateful to you for coming on the show. And I really love this idea of celebrating every step our friends and family make, because I know myself with my Mom, sorry, mom. Uh, it's the same. Doesn't it always come out worse with family? I'm the hardest on my family than I am on anyone when it comes to change. I'm like, oh, but you could have done it here as well. And then I hear myself, I'm like, no, backtrack. Well done. You did amazing. That's yes. a great choice. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I love that though. I think celebrating is the best way to get people's momentum, to keep, to keep their momentum going. You know, when we get positive feedback, we want more of that. It's like a drug. Oh, it is. We're just like children in school. We want the gold star. We want to know we're doing a good job. So the only way to reinforce that, you know, your friends to keep making change is to give them that, give them great feedback. Mm, mm, mm. And yeah, and like you said before about the, the, we, that we tend to be more driven to give negative, the negative feedback. You know, if you're going, if you have some f- feedback for a family that is perhaps n- negative, make sure you frame it with kindness, then the feedback and then kindness and celebration of them. Because there's not, there's never always only negative. Definitely. And pick your timing. It's probably not a good time if they're in the middle of eating the food that doesn't align with your values because they're just going to get really annoyed. 
and make sure they're in a positive frame of mind too. Because if they're in a negative frame of mind, well, they're just going to spiral further down. Whereas if they're in a positive frame of mind, they will actually hear what you're saying and be like, oh, okay, that's actually a valid point, what you're saying. Maybe next time I go grocery shopping, I can buy that brand of vegan mayonnaise instead of this mayonnaise or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So where can people find you and work with you? People can find me at www.cultivatingpositivity.com. I also have a Cultivating Positivity Instagram channel, which I'll get you to put in show notes. And then if they, my my main personal channel, which is where I would, where I'm mainly sharing like my own highs and lows is Sonsi, which is my last name, S-O-N-S-I-E underscore life, which is where people can find me. Definitely follow Emily there because it's just a wild ride of fun and happiness and authenticity and it's just a beautiful family to watch. And I just wanted to end with saying that consistency is key. So you mentioned earlier about a garden and I hadn't spoken about that yet, but the whole premise of cultivating positivity, cultivating is how we cultivate a garden, we grow things. Our, my business um, tagline is grow your mental garden because essentially to cultivate positivity, it is the exact same thing as growing a garden. If you have weeds in your garden and you leave them unattended for too long, you're going to have to spend a very long and arduous week in your garden prepping it, just prepping it to plant new seeds of growth. But if you spend every day just a little bit weeding for meditating, if you spend a little bit every day planting a new seed, so practicing a little bit of gratitude, all of a sudden, without even realizing it, your garden is well-maintained. You have flowers growing left, right, and center. It's a forest of, of life and growth. But the moment you start to ignore it, even when it's blossoming and it looks beautiful, the moment you start to ignore it, weeds start to come back up. So you still always have to be on top of it, just a little bit. Just do that meditation two minutes every morning. That's enough for some people just to keep all those weeds at bay. So it's about consistency and think of it, think about your positivity as a garden. If you wanted to grow the most beautiful garden in the world, what would you have to do? Well, you'd have to be in it every single day, just for five minutes every day. I love that. Thank you so much. And I'm not going to ask you your top three tips because uh, I, felt, I feel like you've given <laughs> us so many great tips. So definitely get out in nature, practicing gratitude, doing more of what you love and random acts of kindness. I love all of those and I will definitely be – well, I, I do practice I do practice those in my life, but I know that I'm going to today be reaching out to some beautiful friends of mine because you've reminded me that I – haven't touched base with them and there are a few people that I would like to send a little note to today so thank you for that and thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all this information that I know is so useful for so many of us especially I think this is a time in in the climate of the planet where there is so many things that you can get bogged down and worried about and they are all very valid reasons to be sad and feel overwhelmed but as you said today, you know, when we look to the things, the small acts in our days and small moments in our days that bring us joy, that that's when we can actually create really meaningful 
impact on our own lives and the lives of those around us that ripple, ripples outward and can hopefully, by touching and touching and touching more and more and more people in, that, in those ripples, that we can, um, we can create some beautiful, meaningful change. Sounds perfect to me. I love you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me on, Corinne. It has been fantastic and I look forward to coming on again one day. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Emily, for sharing all of that. I could have talked to you for a year. It was wonderful chatting with you. You gave so many great ideas and I can't wait to practice some random acts of kindness today and then again tomorrow and forever. And thank you all so much for listening. I hope you got a lot out of of this episode. If you have any questions or anything, please put a comment in the comments of this, of the show notes or a comment on the social media posts that you saw this, you found this episode on. I'm sure Emily and I would be happy to answer any and all questions that we receive. Don't forget to head over to cultivatingpositivity.com to find out more about Emily and the work that she's doing to support people to cultivate and grow their mental gardens. Also follow her on Instagram and at cultivatingpositivity and sonsi underscore life. All of the links to her previous episodes, to her social media and her ebook will be in the show notes. So please click on the link to the show notes and you can then buy her books, eat her beautiful food, follow her everywhere, subscribe to her YouTube channel. She is doing beautiful, beautiful things. She is a beautiful, beautiful person in real life and on social media. She really is such a breath of fresh air and I really know that she's going to have such a wonderful year doing amazing travel and teaching us all how to live a whole food plant-based or even just a vegan life because I'm sure that sometimes they're going to be eating things that aren't altogether whole food but always vegan but just showing us how we can travel and have more joy in our lives um, without treading so harshly on the animals and the planet and taking really great care of our bodies. So I'm really excited to see, to to continue following her journey and I know it's going to be wonderful. She is just She's just beautiful and I'm hoping that you all really got some value out of this episode because I know that I did. So thank you, Emily. Thank you all so much for listening and I will see you all next week for a really, really exciting story that I'm very excited to share with you all that isn't whole food plant-based but is so inspiring and this woman just happens to be vegan but I'm yeah, I want to share more stories like this from people who are doing beautiful, beautiful things in the world. So I'm very excited to continue sharing some slightly different content, but more and more content from inspirational people doing who are, who are ordinary people, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So that's kind of the underlying theme of this podcast anyway, but more and more of that this year I'm very excited about. So you will be so I'm sure you'll be as touched by next week's story as I am because it just fills the cockles of your heart with love and inspiration and, yeah, awe. Awe. Anyway, see you next week and thank you again for listening. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want
wanted any other.